If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I am very, very excited to see what the Knowles are able to do in year one under Mike Norvell. And it all starts with quarterback James Blackman. James Blackman has been through so many offensive coordinators. This is his third head coach, and he got thrust into action after DeAndre Francois got taken out uh, in the season opener a few years back. You know, Jimbo Fisher liked him as a prospect, but, man, this has been really tough, a really tough go for him throughout college football, always having to change your schemes, always having to change uh, the way everything is set out. But if offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham and if Mike Norvell can put together an offense around him, I really like where Florida State is at. Chip Patterson there talking Florida State. Uh, I need music like that. Every time we talk. Absolutely. That was man. pretty good. That was a little pep in your stomach. Yeah. I saw you, Brent. James yeah. Blackman, the starting quarterback at Florida State. Mike Norvell's, Norvell names him today. FSU at four is coming up. I want to finish off this thought, at least for now, on the Jags, uh, because it's been such a dominant story. And then we'll get to Florida State in a moment. Also got some news out of college football in terms of TV uh, announcements and when games are going to be played in times. And also COVID-19 updates uh, in Gainesville as well. Uh ESPN 690, your official Jacksonville station for the Florida State Seminoles. We'll have an update on the QB situation in just a moment. Sean, our caller from the last segment, thought brought up a good point. Also mentioned that I had said perception versus reality. I think this is an interesting deal. What happens inside a building, I'll call it team headquarters, versus what people are saying outside is never aligned or hardly ever aligned. Right. There's things we don't know. There's things the fans don't know. There's blanket statements we all make and assume. Uh, That's where, like, the tanking comes from. Right. I mean, just that tanking conversation is like, okay, everybody assumes tanking is now the thing. Like, if you don't say they're tanking, well, then you don't know anything. Correct. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, that's the buzzword. The bottom line is, and this isn't me necessarily, but when you do talk to people inside the building, their reality of that notion is way different than everybody else's from the players because they're never going to do it or say it Mm -hmm. but even there's this thought that you always have a plan like if you're in charge you always have a plan and you think your plan might work somebody did mention to me in the last uh, couple of days the perception in the building versus the perception outside the building has never been different yeah and i was like that's interesting you know, it's a, it's but, an interesting notion, but it's always different to some yeah. degree. But it's never been more different. Probably right. It's kind of that's kind of the thesis though of this entire offseason, right? The perception from the fan base is the offensive line, man, you have to do better. The perception from the building is great offensive point. line looks great. Great we, point. We like what we see here. Yes. You know. It, and so there's been a couple of those situations. I feel like that's a great point, and that lends to this point. Leonard Fournette, you let him go, you're tanking. Yes. 
Inside, it's like, damn, we're better off without this guy. Watch this now. I, I think we might win, right? Yeah. I think we I think we actually, you know, outside the building, Leonard Fournette just cost you two wins. Mm-hmm. Inside the building, Leonard Fournette just got us two wins. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, seriously, yeah, yeah. I'm not, this isn't like, I, I mean, to, this is what kind of like piecing everything together. Yeah. And here's the bottom line. And the problem with the Jags organization is, man, have they been wrong about the perception inside the building for a long time? Mm-hmm. That's reality. And, heck, locally, we've been wrong about what the Jags might be, could be, should be mm-hmm. in the past. The national perception, not only always right, but sometimes right in terms of what's going on. So everybody's guessing to a degree. There's a road map that doesn't necessarily tell you how the road is going to end. Uh, in in the sports world and in football, but it it brings me back to the Gene Smith days, if I'm not lying. And this is where this comes up to me, man. When you start getting rid of Calais and AJ, and people start scratching their heads, and you start getting rid of uh, Ngakwe, and things don't work out, and when you just release a guy like Fournette after three years despite his production. And when you say, you know what, we don't need Cam Newton. We don't need Jameis Winston. We got Gardner Minshew. Uh, you know, we, this is fine. Uh, we have Nick Foles on the roster. Now let's trade him away after after pen, spending $50 million. Uh, those kind of moves, those kind of things, and this ne- this plan that has transpired it reminds me of Gene Smith just going and picking from the Colorado School of Mines and and all these small schools. Murray States. Murray yeah, States. Yeah. But ye, not not just once. Because mm-hmm. the Jags have had those. They've, they've picked from a small school here or there in recent memory. Yeah. But it was the lack of SEC picks, the lack of ACC picks, the lack of big school picks. When everybody else was doing it and, and had better rosters and better winning percentages. Sure. And Gene Smith was trying to do it by picking the needle in the haystack and be smarter than everybody else. So, so here's, here's, one of, here's one of the brilliances of the game of football, but it's also one of the biggest detriments. And if you don't play the cards right, it's going to backfire right in your face. And when I say it, I mean it like this, thinking outside the box, okay? Gene Smith thought outside the box. Gene Smith believed that there was a bunch of untapped potential at small schools. And he thought that if he could put those that untapped potential with the right coaches, and he brought guys that obviously had a chip on their shoulder because they went to smaller schools, he could get these Pro Bowl, All-Pro type players because they had the right mindset, they had the work ethic, and that's the kind of culture he was trying to build. What he failed to realize, though, is that when you bring in those small school guys, they don't play against prime competition. And they're probably a lower level skill level than a guy from the SEC, a Big Ten school, a Pac-12 school, you name it, right? So that was Gene Smith's detriment, was that he tried to think outside the box. And it's okay sometimes to take maybe one pick out of you know a Colorado School of the Mines or one pick out of a Murray State. But... When your entire draft is built around that, you could have some problems. But that was Gene Smith trying to think outside the box. What we might have here in Jacksonville is, again, a situation where it's like, well, we know how usually NFL teams are ran. You have these egos, and you have some some kinds, you have these personalities. Let's just get every single guy that we want in our image. 
and let's just get a perfect locker room. And I, I don't want to call them choir boys because guess what, man? It's the game of football. You have to have some kind of violent nature. You have to be a little crazy to play this game. Don't care if you're a quarterback. I don't care if you're Josh Lambeau. I don't care if you're uh, a punter. Like, you have to be a little crazy to play this game. So they're not choir boys, but let's just go ahead and get everybody that we want in our image. And if those people, whether it's Leonard Fournette, um, obviously Jalen Ramsey, even Yannick Ngakwe, if they don't want to buy in and if they don't really see the image, then we'll get rid of them, okay? Usually, I think what would happen in the NFL is if you had a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, if you had a guy like Leonard Fournette, even if you had a guy like Jalen Ramsey, you would find a way to make it work. You know why? Because the talent will outweigh the distraction. If you have Pro Bowl-type players, if you have all-pro-type players, if you have the best player in your offense, you find a way to make it work until you can replace that player with what you know could be the same amount of value. Haven't seen that yet, right? So with that being said, this is a situation I feel like where the Jaguars are trying to think outside the box and try to be pioneers maybe in how to build a roster. And what I'm afraid is going to happen is the same thing that happened to Gene Smith, where you're going to outsmart yourselves. You're going to go too above and beyond, and it's going to backfire in your faces. Yeah, and I think that's that's it. I'm not going to lie. It feels like that. That came to me yesterday and i didn't get to it in elaborating but it does feel like what the jags are doing while everybody else in the outside world that's why this ties into perception versus reality while everybody else is sitting and being like what are you doing mm-hmm. like what i i told my buddy he doesn't even pay attention to the jack told my buddy in Rhode Island, he's like he didn't see it yesterday i don't know what the heck he was doing but he didn't see that they had waved fournette and he's like i said yeah yeah it was crazy yesterday they waved fournette they did what <laughs> You know, yeah. but that is the reaction. Yeah. Because people don't do that. They sign that guy to a four year, forty eight million dollar deal like Joe Mixon, who by the way, also had issues that obviously oh, yeah. Cincinnati has been able to corral, fix, or he has or and whatever. Keep in mind, they're on a rebuild right now, in case you didn't notice. They just got their we'll see franchise quarterback. So they're they're rebuilding themselves. And that same production the Jaguars just said goodbye to. Mm-hmm. And so it's like until you tell us we're going to assume that you think you're smarter than everybody else yeah. because very few teams in the NFL, if any, would do this. Correct. The, and that's what's so different, right? The Ngakwe move and the Ramsey move, you're going to see it. Whether I know Antonio Brown's like the super example of this, like the yeah. wait, whoa, that's like the extreme. But it's not like you haven't had players. I mean, Chris Jones almost did it until they gave him a deal. Right. So you have players that Minka Fitzpatrick did get traded. Mm -hmm. And so teams do that. And and you're going to lose guys like that. But how many teams flat out cut the guy who had 83 percent of the snaps two 1000 yard seasons, 80 catches last year, touchdowns here, you know, all this stuff. None. They don't. I mean, the people don't cut that guy unless he just had. This big run in with police or there's something going on or he actually is detrimental to the team because he punched a player or something like that. And it and we until we get those kind of answers, this doesn't make sense. And the perception outside the building is you guys are morons. Yeah, and, and the perception is you guys think you're smarter than us. Hmm. But every time somebody's thought they were smarter than us. Well, it's resulted in a 4-12 season. Listen, 
And to me, and it was a great Gene Smith comparison. And listen, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you. Did he draft me? Absolutely. But did he go about things the right way? Obviously not. But at least with Gene Smith, like, you saw what he was trying to do. He was trying to bring in these maybe me, like these non-household names and try to make them into stars. And then when he brought in a Justin Blackman, obviously he took a risk there because guess what? What was the book on Justin Blackman even out of college? Some teams didn't even give him the time of day because they heard things about Justin Blackman. What did Gene Smith do? He's like, you know what? He's a damn good receiver. He's going to help us win games. We're going to roll the dice. I'm going to risk it for the biscuit. And you know what? Didn't pan out, obviously, what happened, what happened. But you know what? He risked it to win ball games. Bottom line is everything Gene Smith tried didn't work. Exactly. <laughs> but but at least I can sit here and say, you know what? Well, at least he tried to win. I mean, no, it did, obviously it backfired in his face once again. And bringing in small school guys, number one, drafting Justin Blackman, okay. Those are bad decisions. But you could see where he was trying to win. Like You could see he was trying to go outside the box and try to win. I see what they're trying to do right now. On this team, you're trying to go outside the box, but are you trying to win? Like, see, this is why I guess I would make a, a horrible coach or a horrible GM because I see these moves. And I'm like, guys, we're not winning with this. Like, it's it, it, we're getting worse. Like, either you're getting better or you're getting worse. Now, maybe you're getting better for the future. Maybe you're getting better five years down the line. Who knows about that? I'm worried about right now. And after we make move after move after move on this roster, it's like. Guys, are we getting better or are we getting worse right now? Yeah, it's just, uh, it just depends on how you look at it. I, uh, we've seen it in sports enough to know we get what they're doing. Like, we can see the two-year window. Uh, the big problem with it's, – it's not that Jags fans can't see what they're doing, whether it does involve tanking or not. Yeah. It's that they don't trust them in the process of doing it right. Because when you do rip it down – I brought up Houston yesterday. And what you have to do when you're ready to go back up – Yep. is make a lot of good decisions. Mm -hmm. A lot. Like, I believe you have to hit on 70% of your decisions, or I think a 65%, 70% hit rate. Well, the Houston Astros go, look at who they drafted in the early rounds when they were stinking, and look who they got. Well, it's the makeup of their entire team, and now they've been perennially good for the last four or five years. Cheated, but that's whatever. Well, uh, cheated, but they also got some good pre-agents as well. Listen, though. at Keep this point, I'll take plenty of cheating here in Jacksonville. I have no yeah, problem with true. it. True. And listen, the Astros, <laughs> they, they built through the farm system, but they also added some key cogs in free agency as well. Well, that's where they are that. more like the Jags. See, the Jags did make good moves. We don't want to give them credit for it, but they drafted yeah. okay. Yeah. Listen, okay. they drafted okay. To the point where guys like Fowler, guys like Bortles that year in 17, sure. guys like Ramsey, they had moments that all came together and, and gave them moments. No, that now, year was fantastic. Well, not only that, 17, they added pieces. Boye, yeah. Darius, Calais. They hit on those pieces, much like the Astros hit on Verlander yeah. and some other guys they brought over. But I'm also reminded of the Julius Thomases. I'm also reminded of the Jared Odricks. Oh, you no, know, like I mean, they've had plenty of misses. Yes. So but I'm saying I'm in 17, 17, they no, had 17, you're the right. hits. You're absolutely right. And so what they're relying on here, what my point of this is, if you're going to rip the Band-Aid off to build it back up and let the, the, the wound heal, yeah. well, you got to make a lot of good decisions. And if you take seven years of decision-making here in Jacksonville, you don't ever put a lot of good decisions in the same sentence. You put one year, basically, of good decisions and a couple of sprinkles here or there of a DJ Chark and a Jalen Ramsey and those kind of players. But do they have enough proof in their resume to make consistently 65 to 70 percent hits over the next this past year and now next year to build you back up to where you want to be? Again, Jags fans are smart enough to see what they're doing. We all see what they're doing. 
We know what they're doing. We've seen it work in sports. The problem is it looks like the same people are going to be doing it that have failed before and have made poor decisions. That's the reality. Like, talk about perception of tanking, perception of building it back up, perception in the building, we're going to be better than people think, whatever it is. The reality is the people they've had in place haven't been able to make enough good decisions in the past, so people don't have the faith they'll be able to make them over the next two years. Sure. Yeah, it's really as point. simple as that. Yeah, it is simple as that. I like it simple, Brent. And what we still don't know, and some people believe, and this is again where we differ, mm-hmm. we're not I'm not convinced those still those people will be in place to make the free agent decisions and the draft decisions of next year. Correct. While some people believe they're already in place to make those decisions over a two year I period. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like when you have this many plans, it seems like for the future, you do that in mind of the fact that you know what, you probably have a little um leeway of how the season goes. Absolutely. All right, let's shift over for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Got to be careful there. Shift yeah. over Easy now, for a couple Brent. minutes yeah. to uh, uh, college football. <laughs> yeah. uh, FSU at four, of course, Florida State Seminoles. You can hear them right here on ESPN 690. Football and basketball season. It's coming soon, baby. We are getting closer and closer. Oh, we already had it, man. I was watching Austin well, right. Central Arkansas week zero. I know. How about that? Hey, they practice social distancing on the first play of the game. Did you see 75 yards? I, I saw that. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> was close. Call. Well, listen, and imagine me, Austin P, one of our biggest rivals at Murray State, was not a joy to watch them perform. It's amazing that there has been that, okay? Yeah. So that was on, what, August 29th? Yeah. And the SEC isn't going to play a game until September 26th. That is an amazing starting gap. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it just shows you how wacky things are. Yeah. It's the wildest schedule we've ever seen in sports, from NBA to Major League Baseball to everything else, but that's just another indicator of it. All right, James Blackman named the starting quarterback. Yeah. I think when we did the odds, right, we kind of agreed James Blackman's going to be the guy. Yep. You know who said James Blackman's the guy? Jimbo Fisher, yeah. Willie Taggart, and now Mike Norvell. Sure. I mean, this guy has nine lives. Yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, he's been. It's Whoa. in a tough situation. I was going to say he's used up eight of them because of the <laughs> offensive line. He's got one more left. Stay healthy, please. That's the right choice, though. Most likely. I mean, listen, we're not at practices. We don't sure. know, but you go with what you know. If you're yeah. Mike Norvell and Chubba Purdy got hurt, and if if. If they went that way and he used this as a honeymoon year, I would have been okay with it. I'm okay with that idea. In fact, sometimes I endorse that idea. If that guy's good and you think he's the face of your program for the next few years, even if you're going to take some lumps early on, much like a rookie quarterback, mm-hmm. I don't mind that, especially in a guy's first year as a coach. Yeah. Well, and listen, and he was my favorite to maybe overtake Blackman. Like I always thought it was going to be Blackman just because he's a guy that has experience. And keep in mind, in a – in a pandemic type year where you don't get time to work the spring a lot and get your reps. If you're Purdy, keep in mind a, a first year guy, you know, that puts you uh, kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. So I always pictured it was going to be Blackman, but Purdy was definitely my favorite to upset him out of all that group right there just because Purdy was kind of me. He, Purdy seems like. Norvell's guy, right? Like Norvell coaxed him to come to Florida State. I think he's supposed to go to Louisville. Norvell talked him into going to Florida State. So like going forward, Purdy seems like the guy. And sometimes coaches want to make the precedent, right? Like this is a new culture. This is a this is a new team, and I want to put my guy out there to showcase what we can do. But you go with the safe pick. You go with James Blackman. I'm not mad at that whatsoever. I think if you can keep him healthy. Um, you know, it's a great decision, but once again, the offensive line, can can they stay healthy and can they keep James Blackman upright? That's the biggest question. Yeah, right it now. is. And, and Purdy, obviously, with the collarbone and, yeah. and out, and so that doesn't make any sense. Blackman makes a lot of sense. Uh, 
We'll see. I mean, we've got an we've had an inconsistent Blackman over time. I mean, he he surprised some people. 165 pounds soaking wet in his first year coming off the bench, and he's been shoved into different systems. The Taggart thing. There wasn't a player that that seemingly got the best out of themselves under Taggart anyway. Uh, so now we'll see if Norvell can get something out of him. Norvell is, is an offensive guy. We'll see if he does a better job than Taggart in terms of squeezing what he can out of Blackman. Uh, he's got a go-to weapon with uh, Tamor and Terry. So there obviously is a rapport there already. I think there's a belief in Blackman. There was last year. We go to usually go to the immediate days. Well, they didn't have it this year. But we usually go to Tallahassee, and you could feel it. Mm-hmm. You could feel uh, there's a trust in Blackman. But you're almost waiting for Blackman. Also, okay, is this all he is, or is he going to hit another level? Yeah. And can Norvell get that out of him? Can a better offensive line maybe get that out of them can a different system get that out of them yeah uh we'll see the expectations in tallahassee aren't awfully high but they go with the veteran guy well let me ask you this brent obviously look at the florida state schedule they got georgia tech off off the bat and it looks like they should be winning their first two games right so you get off to a pretty good start and we'll see what happens after that yeah because the next one's jacksonville jacksonville state State. and expectations this year i mean i'm not sure you know i don't have my finger on the pulse of the florida state seminal fans i think expectations should be pretty decent right i mean you're still florida state right you're still getting some pretty solid recruiting classes so you want to see wins um you know and follow that tradition everything like that so with that being said let's just say that james blackman doesn't pan out all right and let's say we're halfway through the season and you're in the panic button excuse me do you go with jordan travis did you go with a guy who has also been in that system before where you can kind of just you know ride him out for the rest of the year or do you bring in a guy like purdy and do you burn possibly that red shirt and say you know what man this is your team now go get him like to me, that's the biggest question going forward. Where if it if you hit the panic button, Brent, do you go with the experience of Jordan Travis as your backup guy, or does Purdy come in and take over for Blackman? Well, depending on his health, his uh, health. At that I mean, point, yeah, yeah. I mean, it will, or you know, they've got four quarterbacks, yeah. uh, you know, on their roster. So we'll see. Okay, uh, yeah. Conversation for a different day. If they're not doing so hot, I would expect to see a different quarterback. I mean, I don't think there's going to be a long leash when you have a few healthy quarterbacks to pick from. Yeah. Uh, I think that it will be – I don't think it's going to be a quick leash like halftime of the opener. No. It but, might not even be two games. But yeah. I would say by the end of the first month, you'll know if James Blackman's in it for the long haul or not. No, but my point is, is it worth risking the red shirt of Purdy – or do you go with like a backup like Jordan Travis who has some experience when, before playing? Oh, that, well, that's the other new thing this year. Don't really have to worry about red shirts. Oh, that's yeah. You're absolutely you're right. Getting the year. You get the year. That's so right. that's another so this bonus is a thing for. Yeah, that's it's, right. it's really a bonus for a team like Florida State that yeah. could run into that. Uh, and you know the red shirt anyway was a four game thing. Now they had trans- moved it all the way over there. It's not your your traditional red shirt anymore. Correct. And then on top of that, the coronavirus COVID nineteen changes that outlook as well for coaches yeah. because you can get that year back. So. Uh, uh, the it, it'll be interesting strategy to see how it pans sure. out. That that'll be an interesting thing. I mean, listen, it, at the University of Florida, where Kyle Trask seems to be the guy, Emory Jones could jump in there and, and kind of spell him, and they could run a two quarterback system at times. But it looks like Kyle Trask is the guy. I don't know if that comes into play at Florida State, where James Blackman looks to be still kind of a placeholder. Uh, that could definitely come into play in terms of playing some young guys and not having to pay for it with a year uh, this uh, this upcoming season. It'll be that'll be a fascinating strategy to watch uh, throughout the country. Anyway, uh, how about this in uh, this one in from the University of Florida? Since this is the COVID nineteen testing update, since student athletes return to campus on May twenty sixth, all student athletes total tests for August six hundred eighty seven. Mm-hmm. All student athlete total positives. For August mm-hmm. one, dang. 
By the way, they don't issue releases if the number was like 400. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they do when it's 687 tests and one yeah. positive. Uh, since football student athletes returned to campus May 26th, 459. Uh, and yeah, by the way, I did the August numbers. The the May 26th number that was 1,017 yeah. and 35 positive. Since May 26th, gotcha. the August alone was 687 and one. That was for all athletes. Yeah, uh, one positive. Since May 26th for football players, 459 tests, 21 positive, uh, which still isn't. I don't know if that's bad or good, but it doesn't seem so bad. Uh, May 20 in August alone, 298 tests, no positive. Hmm. So there's a lot of buy-in from the student athletes, at least uh, at, at the University of Florida. It's great to hear. Now we haven't had those kind of results in Alabama. Yeah, I think well, now that's more the student body, I think, yeah. as well. But Notre Dame, North Carolina has well, had issues. And you just saw today Iowa had to close down their their strength training program again because too many players tested positive for COVID-19. So now their like their training room is closed down until further notice. Okay. At Iowa. By the way, we, I mean, I don't want to call it really breaking news here, but I saw you retweet it. We should probably talk about it a little bit. You want to get well, into it? I just want one more college thought right. just to, uh, well, and we got to take a break, but, uh, I'll get to the Alvin Kamara stuff in a moment. Oh, and also, okay, goosebumps, uh, and also there's, <laughs> yeah, obviously you want to get to it, yeah. uh, right away. Coos, do you have the TV schedule in front of you? Uh, give me a second. I can try to pull it up. I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> Uh, we'll get to their grievance uh, fired by, filed, by the way, by Leonard Fournette. That is uh, just in, according to Adam Schefter, which is no surprise. Yeah. Uh, he wants his money. <laughs> He's trying to get that $4 million. Grievance gate part two? We'll see. Yeah. Um, again, I don't, uh, I'm sure that was Coughlin, but it also was Leonard in a loophole in his no, contract. For sure, so for sure. that was that was part of it. What do you got, Coos? Anything? Nothing. I'm just looking at Alvin Kamara highlights right now. Thanks, Kuz. Don't worry. I'll host the show and hit Google at the same time for you guys. I'm watching Alvin Kamara highlights. It's all good. Uh, All right, here we go. Noon start for uh, Florida and Ole Miss. Uh, let's give you some highlights. There's no doubt it was a 3.30 start, even though it's been pushed back a week here in Jacksonville. 3.30 start for the LSU game. Uh, the, that's in October 17th, by the way. That's a few weeks before Florida, Georgia. And we got a couple of TBDs as well. So they made some announcements. Noontime start the first couple of weeks for the Gators, 12 and 12. Uh, 3.30 starts for LSU, Florida, and Florida, Georgia. Of course, that game will be on CBS 47. The uh, CBS and SEC schedule rolling out a little bit uh, here on a Tuesday. Florida State uh, football schedule. Come on, this isn't that hard, Goose. Uh, we've got Georgia Tech and Florida State 3.30 on September 12th. Mm-hmm. And we also have Florida State and Notre Dame on October 10th. That will be a 7.30 game. So those are some of the updates when it comes to the college football, the big games. They didn't release all this, the update. Like even Florida State, Miami is still to be determined. Uh, but Georgia Tech, Florida State, the opener will be at 3.30. And Florida State, Notre Dame, 7.30. You can hear both those games right here on ESPN 690. All right, when we come back, Josina mm-hmm. Anderson reporting that mm. the Saints are open to trading Alvin Kamara. Oh, watching the highlights right now, Brent. You, you, you want to get on this? Careful, man. Do you want to see a glimpse of the future, possibly? Here's what I always say. Why? Why get Alvin Kamara? No, why are they open to trading him? Oh, I got you. Because he wants more money. I know. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I got you. But, uh, okay, he wants more money, so it's good. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you give it to him, then, if you really value Ah, him? Ah, I see where we're going. And and here's a sincere question. Because we talk about the Jags in this 
let's call it a two-year reboot of sorts yeah. in terms of the roster yeah. is now the time to spend. No. But, I mean, obviously but even not. on a Camaro, if you can no. get that kind of talent, uh, depending for the dollars. Listen, you, you know how I feel about it, Brent. All right. The, the, the guy wears a nose ring and I like my music like I like my running backs. Alternative. That's all I'm going to say. All right. We'll talk more about it next. ESPN 6 night. Austin Lane. The Rock, out of nowhere, buys the XFL during a pandemic, mind you, goes half in with his ex-wife. So now you're going to business with your ex-wife. Brent Martineau. I don't know if that's on the business advice list. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. James, I think he's one of those guys, to me, in my opinion, probably has the, the best vision out of all of us. And um, it's, it's been great to see um, a young guy like that be able to come in and, and be able to make the plays and hit the holes that he's he's been able to um, hit. And I'm excited. I'm excited for all the guys. Um, Nate, he's the fastest running back that we have right now and uh so i'm excited for him and his future and then raquel and and zig they're both guys that were here last year and now um you know with leonard not being here they're going to be able to get a lot more opportunities and uh from what i saw from what uh rock did last year and zig especially in that last game against the Colts, um i think they have those guys have a lot of potential and um you know, we're going to see here moving forward. Oh, uh, Chris Thompson. <laughs> it says, because I'm, I got, I, I got, I got the TV guy, TV guys like asking me if we should be like doing TV on Leonard Fournette's grievance. Yeah. And then, so I'm like, who the heck was that just talking? <laughs> and cause like, Hey, dumbass. It was Chris Thompson. Yeah. That's basically what he said. Yeah. I mean, you could ask me. I, I figured. I, I don't know what you're trying to get his attention <laughs> I, But for. I really didn't hear it. Yeah, I, <laughs> and by the way, I think you started like two conversations with me during that break and you're I wrong. still didn't hear it. No, dude, I, I understand you're locked in right now with your stuff. I'm locked into Alvin Kamara. It is what it is right I mean, now. I don't know. I mean, tw- grievance, uh, does, does the Leonard Fournette grievance stuff, does it even, it's so inside football. Yeah. It's like, the well, money stuff of football like that doesn't. Yeah, man. It's like anybody would have done that. Like oh, if, if you had, if you had your money taken away, it's not like Leonard Fournette's doing something out of the ordinary. And was, it's, this is a formality in the process, right? Or am I or am I not no, making more of a story? I was literally just going to ask you the question: If you had a chance to gain an extra four something million dollars, Brent, would you go after it? The answer yes. would be unequivocally yes. Well, guess what? You're you're a grievance guy then. Congratulations. That's right. Even if you, you only get two, yes. right? Even if they split it in the middle Business or something. Like yeah, like I understand. I think it's just like the word. Grievance. I don't even know if they can split it. Though, in the but middle, it's but. kind of like the word grievance, right? Like it, it it carries so much pomp and circumstance. Like, Ooh, a grievance with the Jaguars. Like it makes it sound a lot worse than it is. Like this is a a usual business transaction here. Now what becomes of it? We'll we'll check it out and see when it happens. But it's not that big of a deal. But we nobody's coming from a mile away. This is like a tree falling in the forest, man. Yeah. I mean, nobody, even if he wins the grievance, nobody's going to care. No. Like, who ca- for, it's not our money. If he loses or wins it, your season I'm tickets will not go up. Yeah, exactly. If they lose the grievance. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. No, no, for sure. <laughs> but, like, no one's going to be, like, scouring Twitter, like, oh, what's happening in the Leonard Fournette grievance case? Like, I don't think, unless it's Leonard Fournette or his family, I don't think anybody really cares. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. I'm just making sure. I, agent. I, I will say this. I don't – there are so many technicalities and money and roster moves and all this stuff. I probably should know more of it a little bit better. Yeah. But listen, man, I'm trying to figure out my taxes and, and, and 401K. All right? I sure as hell don't care about Leonard Fournette's. <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
or Shad Khan's or and, Dave Caldwell's. And listen, I don't want to break your heart, and his is probably looking a little better than yours <laughs> yes, is. All right, because those NFL 401ks, man, oh. Uh, so I mean, just juicy. ask Coos. He's just trying to get his 401k so ramp back man. up. Coos, I'm so okay, he's, annoyed. See, it's annoying. I mean, and I, I like am, math. Coos, man, I like I'm numbers. telling you, man, you should have played in the NFL because they do their 401ks right. Well, yeah, I mean, chef's kiss. But listen, my, like... They do it for you. This is oh, all yeah. I haven't done anything. Like, like, you had to call Vanguard. No, I, I didn't even call. All I had to do was, I had to touch a button on my cell phone, and boom. Imagine, imagine calling your 401k place and them going, oh, I don't you know were fired in December. And I was like, no, I'm literally in the building right now, so yeah. this is all oh, no, fine. man. I'm, I'm sitting in my ivory tower. Someone's doing that for me. You better believe that, dude. Exactly. I'm not doing that. Calling Vanguard. Uh, you kidding me? What is this? So Is yes, Adam Schefter has reported that the that Leonard Fournette has filed a grievance uh, against the Jags. Just add it to the list. Yeah, well, I'm to gonna... try to recoup the four point one six seven million dollars that the team voided. And, so. and, and you know what? And I might file one too because you're lying to me if you think that's a scheme thing with Leonard Fournette. So I feel attacked. I might file a grievance. We'll see what's up. You should have filed a grievance for your bonus money as a rookie. I know, man. You should have. Where were you when I? Yeah, I know. I would have done that. I know. You guys all should have got together and filed the grievance. Nobody, well, yeah, nobody, like, it was just like, ah, that's, that's the name of the game, man. You win some, you lose some. It must be, too. I mean, you, well, it must be nothing. Because somebody would have come to your corner. The NFLPA would have. Oh, I don't know. You, the you, you think you. my agent would have came to call my dad? Like, hey, we like taking, you know, 5%. Here, let us help you get a couple hundred thousand more, <laughs> yes. and then I'll take off the top. Like, yeah, that's right. yeah nice obviously. Christmas bonus. Exactly. Uh, hey, Alvin Kamara. Yeah. You're drooling over there. Oh, man. Salivating. Salivating. Yep. Tell me, what do you think about him as a player, and do you think he – would you go chase him? Well, once again, what I think about him as a player, I love him as a player, right? I love him because you look at him, and he's very deceiving. He's he's kind of undersized. Obviously, he's monumental in the pass game. Um, he's a great pass catcher and running back, but he's got that dog in him as well, right, where he can run between the tackles. He can run a zone stretch. He, he can do anything that you want him to. Now, it begs the question, do you see him as a true bell cow, like three-type down back running back, or do you see him more as a third down back? That begs, you know, I mean, that's actually a legit question because last year he had an injury a little bit, so there's a little red flag there. I just like him from the standpoint of the guy runs with bad intentions, he plays bigger than he is, and he's a threat to always take a yard. That's why I like Alvin Kamara. This just in from Charles Robinson, by the way, on the Alvin Kamara situation with the Saints. He's told that right now the team is comfortable making him a top five paid running back, 12 plus million per season. But Kamara's numbers pushing more towards Christian McCaffrey territory at 16 plus million per year. That's pretty wide, Jasmine. I can tell you this. The Jaguars are not paying Alvin Kamara $16 no, million. No. They're well, not paying a running back $16 million. I guarantee you that. And, and here's the problem with it, right? And it's not Alvin Kamara's fault, but let's call it like it is here. Alvin Kamara last year, yes, he had that knee injury, right? But Alvin Kamara last year, he was the bell cow. Now, you had Latavius Murray, who was more like, you know, the bruiser type back. But Alvin Kamara was the three-down back, okay? And to be fair, probably had his worst year of his NFL career. If you go back to his first and second year, like his first year, for instance, his first year on the scene, when he exploded on the scene, nobody knew who Alvin Kamara was. This weird guy with dreads and a nose ring. Who's this guy? Why? Because he had Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram was kind of the guy that pounds the rock. 
but then you would spell him out with Alvin Kamara, kind of like that thunder and lightning combination. You got Alvin Kamara in the pass game a little bit. Well, then that's when Alvin Kamara burst on the scene. So it still begs the question, can Alvin Kamara be a three-down back? Chris McCaffrey, definitely a three-down back. Chris McCaffrey touches the ball like 50 times per game. The question is, can Alvin Kamara do that exact same thing? I don't know. Is Alvin Kamara the closest thing in the NFL to Christian McCaffrey? No. Saquon Barkley. Ah, and, cool. I, and I'd probably even say Ezekiel Elliott over Alvin Kamara. Really? Yeah. Just because, listen, I've seen Saquon Barkley. He's been the leader of that offense. I've seen Ezekiel Elliott. He's been the focal point of that offense. Alvin Kamara, you had Michael Thomas. You had Marvin Ingram. Um, you know, you have some tight ends, like, and you obviously got Drew Brees as well. Like, once again, it's just, do you pay $16 million for a guy who you're not positive if he's a three down back? Well, no, you don't. Yeah. I so, don't even think you pay $16 million to a guy if he is anybody, a three down back. <laughs> no, I mean, I really don't. Any running back. That would yeah. be a, I mean, you, yeah. you, here's, the th- here's the crazy thing, okay? The, the news in Jacksonville is the Jaguar. I mean, the story around Jacksonville, the Jaguars. Uh, around the country, yeah. is the Jags are tanking because they got rid of Fournette. Like, that was the move that put this over the top. It wasn't because, but it was the move that put the cherry on top to say, Jags are tanking. Trevor Lawrence, Dabble Swinney, come on down. The crazy part about it is, let's just say, for fun's sake, they go trade a second-round pick because now they have two in the Yannick Ngakwe stuff. Mm-hmm. And they got Alvin Kamara. Right? There's no way they would trade a first-round pick for Alvin Kamara. I mean, you can't. No, listen, I love Alvin Kamara. Don't love you that much. No. So yeah. let's just say. Yeah. Took a second round pick, they traded away, mm-hmm. uh, and then they sign Kamara for a fourteen million dollar four year deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. listen, no, no, Mixon no, just got four for forty eight. Yeah. No, you're so okay. So from yeah. Kamara's standpoint, I would say if Mixon's getting four forty eight, no, I do yeah. deserve fourteen sure. million. Sure. What was would be crazy is the view in Jacksonville, all of us or beyond, would change. They just replaced Fournette with Kamara. Yeah. And all the stuff we said, they put Minshew in a position to fail. They put him in a position to succeed. Oh, He's in Jay Gruden's oh. offense. He's a good fit. You can throw it on the backfield to Kamara. Isn't it crazy how you could change that dynamic? The perception would change and, and so much. And by the much. way, now, if you plan on trying to be good like or really compete next year, I'm not saying like Super Bowl good, yeah. but really compete next year, well, that's the second year of Kamara. The problem with the vision is, can you get that third year out of Alvin Kamara in 2022 mm-hmm. when you really think, again, this is if everything goes according to plan and everything you hit on the 70% of, of moves you make, is Kamara going to be this good? That's what, now you're number six for him? Yeah. Is it still worth $15 million a year? Whatever it is. It's fascinating. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. If this was next year and Kamara came free... Second round pick and then fourteen million a year. I, I'd say okay, the Jags are ready for that. Yeah, but I, I don't know. This one makes you better right now, gives you a chance, and also could keep him around for three or four years and still the prime of his career. I just think that if you had a a road grader, a bruiser running back to pair him with, that would be the move. Like if you still had, if you had Leonard Fournette still, and also you try to coax Alvin Kamara to Jacksonville, Brent, 
goosebumps are not going to go anytime soon. Like I, I would be literally if that happened. You had Fournette and Alvin Kamara. I would get up, leave the show, go run out in the rain and say, "Let's go, man!" I'm, I, I'm leading the sunshine and, and rainbows bandwagon. Like. Forget you, Brett. No offense to you, but I, I would. This is Sparta kick you into a pit, and I'd be like, I'm the new captain now of the Sunshine and Rainbow, just because I would be so excited because it would remind me of what they had in New Orleans with Ingram and Kamara. Now, maybe I'm not saying Leonard Fournette is Mark Ingram, but it's comparable, man. Okay, it was the way they run, the way they can lower their shoulder, it's comparable. Now, it's not going to happen. Leonard Fournette's gone. I just listen. I love Alvin Kamara. I'm a big Alvin Kamara fan. He's won me fantasy football leagues. I appreciate the guy, but once again, it begs the question, can he be a three-down back? And we haven't quite seen it where it's like, you know what, let's give him that Christian McCaffrey type of money. I, I, I understand. I, I don't think right now you need a three-down back. If you're using the first two downs and you've got Chris Thompson on the third down. <laughs> no, but you know, that's true. But at the same time, Brent, I mean, listen, what makes Alvin Kamara so great is his threat I know, in I the do. receiving game yeah, as well. that's I where mean, you want him on that third uh, down. Uh, I'll be honest. I'll be more comfortable if you had Rock Armstead. You know what you had with Rock Armstead? For maybe first, second down, you bring in Alvin Kamara a little bit. Now we're talking. You know, it would boy, would it change a lot of what you're thinking, though, here in Jacksonville if you made a play for, like this. <sighs> it would help Minshew, man. Not yeah. it would help Minshew, but it would also help the feeling in there and say, hey, we, are really, do, we really do have a vision, and we think we are better off with a guy like Leonard Fournette. What would it say about Fournette? Could have yeah. kept Fournette for $8.6 million, but no, we'd rather have this guy for $14 million. Sure. Why? Because we don't have to deal with the... Whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it would put an exclamation point on that and not it wouldn't point to tanking, it would point to that guy was bad for our team's success. Yeah. Uh so and well, this would kind of really jump start a build over the next couple of years to say, Okay, now you're starting to see players come in and yeah. we still have seventy million dollars under the cap next year and we're gonna bring more players in. We still have nine draft picks, we're gonna bring mm-hmm. more players in. Well, it would be a it would be a great message point. It'd be fantastic to go after a guy like this and really build around him. Yeah. In essence, and, and listen, maybe you did that with, with Joe Schobert a little bit, but let's be honest here, right? No. And, 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 well, no, but I'm, I'm getting my point here, Brent. You might do that a little bit with Joe Schobert with how much money you paid him, right? You moved Miles Jack from middle linebacker to outside where he's more comfortable. Like you made some, you know, some big moves there, but it's Joe Schobert, right? And no disrespect to Joe Schobert, he could be fantastic this year, but people don't play play fantasy football with Joe Schobert. People play fantasy football. People watch the touchdowns, watch the highlights of Alvin Kamara. So I think just from a hype perspective, from a, from a, an excitement perspective, well, what do we talk about this Jaguars offense? What have we had this past decade of offensive production? Not that much, man. Right? Nothing at all. No. So you bring Alvin Not Kamara even in. Fun. You bring in Alvin Kamara, it's like, oh, all of a sudden we're like the new kids on the block. Now all of a sudden we're Now you have good. LaVisca Chenault, and you have DJ Chark, and you it have would, Minshew, and you have Alvin Kamara. Screen, you know what, too many screen passes. It would be, it, it'd be way too many screen passes. I would overdose on seeing too many screen passes. Here's the thing. Uh, what's interesting here uh, to me, uh, as I say this, why do I feel like Kamara is so much better of a fit for Jay Gruden's offense, even though we kind of agree that if you're a good player, make him fit. But yeah. he, he he does seem like he's a way better fit in my mind and kind of what I see him do in New Orleans for Gruden's offense yeah. than Fournette was. Fournette's going to run the ball 20-20 whatever times a game to get going. See, Kamara doesn't strike me as that guy. He's more home run guy. Here's the, you know, you're absolutely right. Here's the thing. I think from Gruden's perspective, 
he's right up Gruden's alley, right? Because back when they had like Darius, Darius Geis, um, I forget who the other running back was, but like they had a couple guys who were kind of third down, ba- or three down backs. Well, I think Geis got hurt. Then they got after Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson was kind of a shell of himself and came to Washington. Now, yeah, still no had a doubt. good career and everything like that. Still, he actually did better than people expected well. there. But I let's think. be honest. Like, in the receiving game, how good is he really? So I think Gruden would like Camaro just because you can do a lot of things with him. You can put him in the slot. You can put him behind. You can screen passes. You can run off the tackle, stretch plays. Like, you can do everything with Alvin Kamara. And if you're Jay Gruden, that's what you've always wanted, but you never really had. Here's the problem with the Jags right now. They have a ton of cap space. They have a ton of capital. They could go get one of the most exciting players in the league, potentially, or at least yeah. make an attempt. Yet we're sitting here and we know they're not. No, no. Like, we don't even think they're interested. He's probably going to the Steelers or something like that. That's sad. That part. What no. I just said. I don't even think they're interested. No. I mean, the fact you spent about 10 minutes talking about it seems like it's all for nothing. But now I'm sad. I Maybe was excited. I'll change my mind in the commercial break. I'll we'll see. We've I got was an hour to go. I in the pit, and I was going to take over the Sunshine <laughs> and Rainbows Club, and now I'm just back to being depressed again. Mm-hmm. We've got more to come on ESPN <laughs> 6 Night. What about the Big Ten? We'll get into that more on the Jags, more on Camara. we got an hour to go. It's on ESPN 690.